You know, they say getting there is half the fun. I mean, certainly in fantasy games, since the other half is combat. Fancy a sweet ride? Then sit back, strap in, as we explore six magical vehicles. That's how we roll. 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 Welcome to the Goblin's Corner. My name is Eric. And I'm Matt. And tonight... We're discussing magical vehicles. That's right. You can't get there from here, or you can get there from here, but it takes a long time to get there from here. And so tonight, we've come up with six delightful magical vehicles for you to use in your fantasy, or I would dare say sci-fi campaign, if you like. Yeah, as long as you put the flavor right. Yeah. And... They basically just came directly out of our brains, and we think they're really interesting. A lot of fun story lore, and we're going to show them to you. Yep. I started, I started to say free of charge, but it's always free of charge. That's true. It is always free of charge. So if you haven't yet, hit that like and subscribe button. Help us get our show out to more people and get notified when more awesome episodes come your way. And if you're listening to the show, Give us a review on iTunes and Podchaser and, you know, click all the stars and do all of the wonderful things that help us out. It would make us happy. We'd appreciate it. That's right. So we're talking about custom magic items. This is, by the way, our part six episode. I think we've done five other magical item episodes. Oh, yeah. And tonight we're doing magical vehicles. Why magical vehicles, Matt? Everybody's got to get somewhere. And these get you somewhere. Yeah. And there really aren't a lot of magical vehicles. I mean, aside from a flying broom. Right. Or a flying carpet. Sure. Or other things that fly. And so we feel that there are some more interesting magical vehicles. Now, we do have one that flies, a couple that fly, actually. But but the, the storyline is the most important thing, I think. So these all establish that story. And as you mentioned before the show, these all establish setting as well. Yeah. It's different flavors for different purposes for different reasons. Right. There's a perfect example of that. Uh, a, a while back, we came up with the bicycle built for 12. Do you remember? Dimension hopping bicycle that had 12 people. And if you didn't have a certain number of people on there, then you would just randomly go someplace instead. I loved it. it. What it allowed you to do was take a group of players who, you know, w- couldn't necessarily travel the planes yet, at least not regularly. And they always had the opportunity to, but the fewer number of riders than 12 you had, the more likely you were to end up in a random plane instead of the one you were aiming for. It was totally a DM's fiat to get them to go places, right? 100%. And I think that vehicles should be like that. Like, yes, I'm very serious when we wrote the intro in that getting there is half the fun. Like, yes, unless you're playing a bunch of murder hobos, the combat is fun, but the exploration of your game world is very fun. It shouldn't just be, okay, you travel there. You can meet new people along the way. It can be an entire encounter itself. Particularly if it's like a skyship or something crazy like that. And so tonight we're going to explore, in addition to like having some powers and descriptions and the lore behind these magic items, also talk a little bit about that storyline, how you can interject these into your campaign. Sure. Now, we do have some rules. We always do. And as with all of our rules, they are absolutely negotiable for your table. You can chuck them out the window if you want, or you can use them if you like. And the first one is, is these should be transportation, not MacGuffins. What do you mean by that, Matt? It's a boat, not a battle cruiser, right? It's a wagon, not a tank. Now, if you're running a game where they should, in fact, be battle cruisers or tanks, then obviously 
They are. And we can certainly use pretty much all of these as those types of weapons. Sure. But these should mostly just be, we're, we're making them for magical vehicles to interject story into your campaign. 100%. Additionally. They should have story hooks where appropriate. We're down with story hooks. If you've listened to any episode, we're all about story. Flavor. Yeah. We're storytellers, right? Yep. The lore makes them way more interesting than just a typical magical item. If I pick up a broom of flying, congratulations, it's a broom of flying. But if it's a broom that's dusty and it's got wire, rusty wires around it, it looks half cracked, but it's sturdy as a stone. That sounds way cooler than just a broom of flying. Yeah. And we're going to get to that. And we will, in fact, get to that. What else are we talking about with lore, Matt? If you steal a pirate ship, that's fun. If you find a captain's log that lets you know that this ship has been stolen multiple times. That's an adventure. That's interesting, right? Yeah. There's This ship has history. This ship is a character in and of itself all of a sudden. 100%. And that's the kind of themes that we're talking about here. Now, if it is an everyday object, and several of these, or at least one of them, might consider to be an everyday object, then... A distinctive descriptor or a quirk should be included. Now, we like quirks. We do. And I would consider, and you would consider these to be what, Matt? They're essential, really. I mean, if you're, especially if it's an everyday magic item, most of the ones we've made tonight aren't. But this is one of our magic item creation rules, right? Is if it's a normal looking thing, then it should stop acting normally at some point. Yes, it's because... That's a fun indicator that it is magical, mm -hmm. right? It just does some weird shit, and it should. There should be a reason behind providing this vehicle to the players. Yes. You should just throw it at them. Like, give them a reason for it, right? There are a lot of tables that do not particularly like travel, right? They, like, they would prefer to fast travel, and I'm fine with that. I understand not everybody likes random encounters and stuff like that, and that's cool. Mm-hmm. Now, we've talked about ways to mitigate why people wouldn't like that in other shows, but assuming that your table wants to fast travel and you want to give them this vehicle to mitigate all of that, there should be an in-play reason. Absolutely. Why they, they shouldn't just find a magical self-driving car. There should be a reason how they get their hands on it. Now, if they steal it, they steal it, and that's great, too. And, that, and then the story of figuring it out is the adventure. Right. Much like providing the vehicle to players and having a story for that, there should be a story in terms of the function of the magical item. Right. What, what was it doing before the players stole it or acquired it? Was it sitting in a rusty garage just waiting to be found? Was it in a dungeon? Was it in a Cyclopsian ruin with the Cyclops being used for Cyclops things? Who knows? Cyclops, they get around, guys. I would say this, that the idea of it basically, like the old Model T, right, sitting in a garage, if you, if your party uh, cleans out an abandoned keep. Oh, that would be kind of, and just and find you literally this find vehicle. a magical vehicle that's basically been mothballed because somebody had a collection or whatever. Take it on the Ferris Bueller's drive. Yeah, that would be hilarious. That would be great. That would be awesome. And then, of course, where appropriate. It should be amusing. It should. Everything should be should have some levels of funny. Yes. And I think several of these have some levels of funny. The first one. Speaking of which, on to the funny. 
Let's talk a little bit about some magical vehicles. Matt, you've got the first one, and it is a golem-driven paddle ball. In fact, it is. So talk to me about the golem-driven paddle ball. All right. The description is a spherical vehicle used to travel on land and water. The paddles on the outer surface of the vehicle act as traction on land and provide purchase for locomotion on water. So this is a, a ball. It's a ball. Uh-huh. And it's got little paddle nodules all the way around it in every direction. What color is it? It's transparent, turns out. Oh, like a hamster ball. Very much like a hamster ball. I love this idea. Okay. The inner vehicle sits on bearings mm-hmm. on the outer sphere. So no matter where it goes, the inner vehicle stays level. Okay, so it's just doing this <laughs> Just riding number. along. Yeah, just, just bobbing along. And there are golems strapped to the sides of the inner vehicle that actually operate what direction the sphere is traveling. So the rider sits in the center of the hamster ball, mm-hmm. and then on the, other, on the sides on the inside of the hamster ball are two golems. Like four big, golems. Four golems. Yep. So they're all just walking in like a tank, just, mm-hmm. just moving it around. Yep. That's cool. Okay. What are the powers of the golem-driven paddle ball? I'm assuming movement. <laughs> Basically, it travels on land and water at a speed of 45 feet per round. Mm-hmm. The outer shell is transparent, and it's it's transparent, but it's basically like the hull of a ship, right? So uh, it's like you're, glass steel, basically. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I mean, if we want to go old school, we can make it very hardy like glass steel, but I was thinking basically like transparent wood. Okay, glass wood. <laughs> sure. We've come up with glass wood. There you go. There you go. You're welcome, folks. That's cool. So that's all it does, right? It's just, it's the golems that really make it magical because they just trudge along it forever. Now, originally, it wasn't magical at all. It was originally a gnomish design that used giant hamsters for a locomotion. But after the maiden voyage... It was decided that golems were a little more practical because uh, you don't have to clean up after them and you don't have to feed them. That's a good point. Hamster poop is uh, not great. Especially not for bearings. Yeah, giant hamster. Oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah. In the maiden voyage, about five days later, just we've frozen. (laughs) We've hit a sargasso. (laughs) We've eaten the hamsters. That's a good point. Yeah. So it's just, there you go. Very simple, standard, magical object. Cool vehicle idea. I could see it trudging along. Could definitely be used in a siege. I know we're not talking about like war vehicles, but can you imagine it just rolling over? Because it's got to be heavy. What kind of golems is it being used for? I like uh, stone golems. Although uh, I think if you wanted to go reach into the Wayback Machine and grab some glass golems Mm. so that you could still actually, so that they wouldn't be in your visual range. I like that too. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, very nice. But your example earlier was tied directly to one of our vehicles. So why don't you tell me about Banderhoot's broom of dust bunnies? Yes. Good old Banderhoot, mage of mine. It is a broom. Mm-hmm. Check it out. It's going to be a flying broom, folks. I know, but there's a bit of a trick to it. This cumbersome drab broom is slightly cracked with a rusted wire mesh holding the straw together. However, despite its appearance, the broom is quite sturdy. It's a sturdy stone almost. Okay. No matter how often the broom is cleaned, it always seems to gather dirt, dust, sand, or dust bunnies, given the name, mm-hmm. leaving them all over the floor and the welder's clothing. It's a filthy, filthy broom. It's just, just a dirty broom. Dirty ass broom. 
<laughs> counterproductive brew. It really, yeah. It actually gets, yeah, it makes more of a mess than anything. And that's definitely one of the quirks, I would say, for Banderhoot's broom of dust bunnies. It will make you filthy. It will not clean. It will actually do the opposite of cleaning. <laughs> You've got to have a prestidigitation every time you get off. <sighs> and just dust yourself off. Yep. Yeah, you got more road grime riding the broom than if you just walked. Sure. What are some of the powers, man? Sticking Banderhoot's broom of dust bunnies between the rider's legs or whatever pendant you happen to have grants the user the ability to fly as per the spell with a speed of 60 feet. Okay. It lets you fly. Sure. This ability lasts for one hour and is accompanied by a large amount of dust trailing from the broom as well as rustling noises. So impose like a stealth disadvantage. It basically is making all this noise. I kind of feel it like the old Model T's they had in the cartoon where it's like, you know, it's like, puttering along, puffing dust out of the back end of the broom. I was honestly thinking about it like the cartoon broom swishing noise oh, with the was... puffs of dust flying. Sure, I love that too. Yeah, Dieps have fun with that, right? Now, there's a several other powers that the broom has. Okay. Additionally, the broom user can, in combat as a full round action three times a day, move its speed, which is 60 feet, Mm-hmm. And the dust will stay in place as a wall of dust. Nice. This wall lasts for concentration or one minute, whichever is quicker. All right. So you can imagine just making a wall of dust, right? What does it do? It's a wall of dust. It doesn't do anything. It just basically obscures vision, but handy in combat. I would even, if somebody goes through the wall of dust. And they're, invi- and they're invisible. They're definitely visible afterwards. Yeah, it, it acts as... Uh, like a fairy fire to invisible creatures mm-hmm. and maybe uh, a save for blindness or something like that. Oh, that would be because nice. Getting a bunch of dust in your eyes is a miserable yeah, experience. That sucks. Finally, once per day, the welder can port into and out of the quasi elemental plane of dust acting as a teleport spell. This teleport is accompanied with a loud bamf, a thick cloud of debris and generally much coughing afterwards. Nice. You imagine if just go, <laughs> And it's just like a big pig pen. Yes. Right. Pig pen just erupts. The wizard just kind of gets off, has to press the digitation himself. Like an eminently uncool cloak of the mountebank. Yeah. I like that idea as well. I love the idea of this wizard just like teleporting across, you know, a continent, showing up in like a royal palace, and it's just covered in grime. Sure. And the broom is this filthy ass broom. I- I for some reason I I feel like he made this relatively early in his career ability to travel the planes, and the only planner key he had was to the the, the quasi elemental plane of dust. Funny you should mention that. That's actually part of the lore behind that. <laughs> oh, fantastic! So the lore actually is famed geomancer and planner scholar Bandahoot the Great made many magical objects to aid in his travels across the multiverse. The original broom of dust bunnies was crafted when he was lost for a year in the plane of dust. <laughs> and according to arcane lore, was apparently powered by the dirty dimension. So he actually used the plane, he channeled the plane's energies into this broom that he had. That would explain why it's constantly producing it. Exactly. After his death, his apprentice sold the schematics to an enterprising businessman who used several brooms to help his sell his cleaning services. So you can just fly over a village at night, spread dust everywhere, and just be like, I am a cleaning. I happen to have a cleaning service I'd like to sell you. Yes, pretty much. You imagine like the it. wall of dust sure. just enters the tavern. So that's it. 
Simple, flavorful, easy to use, right? Yeah. And again, it's a fly broom with a little bit of quirk. Now, you happen to have something which is way more than just a little bit of quirk. You have a kobold cavern maker. Yes. Talk to me about this cavern maker, Matt. All right. So the kobold cavern maker is an excavation vehicle, which is usually composed of a tamed or controlled burrowing creature pulling a treaded lightly armored cart behind it. Okay, so it's a cart yeah. with a beast of burden. Correct. Okay. If the burrowing creature can't normally burrow through stone, then the enchanted bridle gives it the ability to burrow through stone as well. So you got this bridle, and it just gives it... It doesn't matter if it's a draft horse that's digging through stone. <laughs> no, it is. it has to be a burrowing creature. Oh, okay. It just can now also burrow through stone. Because I think it would be hilarious it would give anybody <laughs> a <on> horse. A, <laughs> I, I could see like a parakeet with burrowing <laughs> ability just pegging its way through the stone. That'd be kind of funny. Maybe it should be a greater version of this that does that. Sure. Now, the, the kobolds in the cart are usually a team of a driver, a navigator, and a couple of bodyguards in case the cart crosses into a hostile cavern. <laughs> and, you know, they come across something that they don't want to come across. Which, you know, dig it in the Underdark, you're going to stumble across a cavern, find some kind of horrible creature. Yeah. Now, a lot of times, teams of kobold miners will follow along behind the cart and pick through the tailings to look for, like, if there's any precious metals along the way or gems or anything like that. And on some occasions, these are used for combat. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So instead of just a random burrowing animal... They strap a team of two boulets, land sharks, mm-hmm. to them, and then they armor it up a little bit, and then they fill it with a kobold raiding party. They don't really need much with two boulets. No. Because uh, the boulets are the raiding party themselves. Yeah. So, so what you do, you see, is boulets don't steal, though. So you use the boulets to deal with as much of the resistance as possible. All the kobolds pile out, deal with anything that's left. Fill the car full of treasure, jump back in, and off they go. I, I love this because I kind of see them doing like an underground drive-by. <laughs> you know, there's this cruise in. There's some drow just chilling, and these kobolds just kind of roll up on them. <laughs> Boule eats five of them yep. and spits out the magical items, which the kobolds immediately grab just kind of in a swift death-like motion. Just keep running. Yep. Yeah, see you later, bitches, and dive back <laughs> into a cavern. <laughs> that would be awesome. That's what kobolds do, guys. Sneaky little bastards. Awesome. So what's so the powers are burrowing through stone. Sure. It's also pulverizing the stone under its treads so that it's easier for smelting and stuff like that. So this would be very useful in a mine where you found an, a vein of ore. Yeah. The way I see it is that kobolds, uh, for the lore of it in general, is kobolds are very industrious creatures, at, as they're written. And if they can't find caverns that suit them they use these carts to make them sure that makes perfect sense and that's why you have a navigator not because you're looking for anything specific underground but because you're creating the cave network as you go hmm interesting so basically like if you're in a mountain and you say okay we want this cave network to be three levels we want you start at the top and then you just work your way down and you're set I love that. So that's the Kobold Cavern Maker, huh? Yes, indeed. 
Now, if that wasn't enough to wet your whistle, we also happen to have... The question of the week. Every time. So what is this week's question of the week, Matt? Let's say I'm in a fantasy world. Okay, we're in a fantasy world. And I spot a magical vehicle. Yes. How am I going to immediately recognize that it's yours? You will probably hear some kind of booming system on it. Okay. Because if it's my magical vehicle, I want nice speakers. You want to bring your tunes with you? I Absolutely, I have to. When yeah. I'm driving, got to have my tunes. doesn't matter if it's a draft horse or a flying broom. Still? Still got... A big box of uh, 15s on it? That would be, yes. That would be hilarious. <laughs> Just a broom with one big 15 sitting on the back yeah, it's, uh, that's, it. doesn't need a broom. That's, that your, is, that's your, back, <laughs> your backrest. Sonic boom. Yeah. It would also probably be black. Because most of my vehicles have always been black. It's true. Uh, alternatively, if you see a truck, then it's mine. Only if it has a uh, sticker in the back with a gargoyle on it. Yes, I would. I would approve of that as well. I love yeah, that. I, I reached way back for Some that. Some fuzzy dice would also be uh, a delight. Sure, I would definitely have some fuzzy dice around a horse. That would be great. That you know what? I haven't had any characters do that. We Some should... fuzzy D twenties, just sure. Yeah, if you see any of that stuff, and you're in a fantasy world, guys, if you ever go to a fantasy world, let us know. Yeah, if you come back, because we want to go. But if you happen to be in a fantasy world, if you can't come back, send a magical message letting us know how you got there. Yeah, we'll join you. Yeah. So in short, there's a lot of different ways you could tell it's mine. Sure. Now, what would happen to be your recognizable qualities for a magical vehicle like how, if i went into a fantasy realm how would i know it's yours matt depending on what the vehicle is if it can have a paint job if uh if it's liquid viridian in color that's that's probably mine almost definitely so super, mine. super green is yes. what you're saying yeah but like a super dark green a shimmery liquid dark green super duper green yeah okay and if it's sitting on a permanent fog cloud Hmm, I like that as well. Just coast, so it's got literal ground effects because it's just a big fog. Absolutely, I like that. That's cool. And I the can, other thing is, if I get hot, I can just climb under the vehicle and chill in the fog cloud and be that, comfortable. That is also true. I like that as well. I could totally see like a, a chariot that's just super green. It's got a green horse and sure. it's floating on a cloud, or even a stagecoach. Both of those would be cool. I wouldn't want it drawn by a green horse. I'd want it drawn by a green beetle, like a green beetle, like a giant beetle, but that's that crazy iridescent beetle green color. Mm-hmm. That would be really cool. You've got some tinted glass, or one of the uh, one of the green spiders, like one of the green tarantulas from the Amazon. Oh, that would be kind of neat. That'd be really cool. Too. Yeah, I love that. Of course, we're always interested in your answer to the question of the week. If you've got a magical vehicle idea that you'd like to tell us about, or just some weird personalization like what we're talking about. Hit us up at Goblin's Corner on Twitter. And of course, you can find us on all the social media channels. I was worried for a little while you might not find us on Twitter because it wouldn't be around for much longer. But it's amazing how well Watsy re-energized Twitter. It's true. <laughs> at least our little corner of it. All of a sudden, people are back just long enough to absolutely rail it. And get pissed. Yeah. Twitter loves a dumpster fire. Now, we've got three more magical vehicles for you to play with in your campaign. And the next one up is uh, a fun one, I think. Yeah. Tell us about the Roar. Yeah, the Rapid Ore Ascension Raft. And if you think it's a Gnomish device, 
You'd probably be right. I, I changed the story a little bit, but it could definitely be gnomish. All right. Give us a description of this thing. It's a watercraft, right? You're mm-hmm. thinking, ah, oh, water vehicles. There's plenty of like magical ones. Ah, oh, but you haven't seen this one. This one's great. This bright orange inflatable raft is made from the bladder of a sky whale. Because of course it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And can generally host a crew of about six medium-sized creatures with cargo or about 14 without cargo. Nice. Which is pretty large. Yeah. It's not like a small, you know, little dinghy thing. I don't know much about boats. I'm assuming that's right. Dinghies are small. Okay, good. good. Very good. Additionally, the rapid oar ascension raft comes with a set of oars, actually several sets, which can be used normally to increase the speed of the vehicle, steer, or lock into specific places for its special function. Okay. So it's a raft. Sure. With oars. Yeah. And it makes sense. If you're thinking like the the river raft type things, you know, the big inflatable ones, you're probably getting the right mental picture for this. Right. So what are its powers then? So in all ways, the roar acts as a typical water vehicle with the exception of locking the oars into place. Should at least four of the oars be locked into the roar, it becomes a self-guided vehicle which ignores all vertical changes in the water. Nice. (laughs) You'll see what I mean in a second. More specifically, when the user activates the roar, it immediately begins to pilot upstream at a rapid pace, moving around obstacles, going against the current, and even treading up waterfalls. Nice. So it goes against the stream. Let me ask you, does it like elevator up a waterfall or does it like paddle up the waterfall? No, it paddles all the way up Ooh, and it does it. So you've got to strap the cargo in really well. And look, this, there's, that's the quirk. All sure. Right? Yeah, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm with it. it. I just, I wanted to get the right p- picture of it. Mm-hmm. Once activated, the rapid or ascension raft will run for eight hours, after which it deactivates and becomes a normal raft until the next day. Okay. So for eight hours, if you've got to get upstream, it'll get you upstream. And after that, you can still use the paddles. You'll just have to stop at the next waterfall. It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what, what's the lore on this? This vehicle was invented by Marathi artificers who lived in the many isolated mountainous cities of that fair country. Okay. That's a country in my game world. Sure. And it's a whole bunch of mountains. There's many different rapids and streams and so forth. And these clever artificers needing a way to transport cargo or themselves up the mountain after they rode it down. Sure. Came up with this device. This would be a great way to travel very quickly up a mountain. Yes. This would be fun in a Eberron campaign. Like if you're exploring Zendrick or something like that? Sure. Like, uh, absolutely. Like a a very wild, unexplored type region? Yes. I think this would be fun. I also thought this would be hilarious in a Wild America version of Shadowrun, where like you're a film crew. Sure. Going you've, to search out all the paranormal creatures and yes, stuff? Yes. You're going on a paranormal critter hunt nice. in, in the U.S., and you're like going up to Colorado or something like that. Can you imagine Awakened Colorado if a shadow run? Sure. That would be awesome. And you have like whatever TV's version of it, you're a bunch of shadow runners guarding this TV personality. I mean, even not far outside of Seattle, right? You've got you've got Sasquatch. But imagine like giant awakened Gweeducks where like a tentacle reaches up out of the sand and starts yanking people down into the riverside. Drags and, them down to yeah. below. Yeah. Lots of fun there. So yeah, that's the uh, 
That's the Rapid Ore Ascension Raft, or ROAR. Nice. Now, you happen to have an interesting flying chariot called the Sky Chariot. Sure. And I love the lore behind this, and I love the reason why you came up with this. So tell me a little bit about the Sky Chariot, Matt. All right. Well, the description is really simple. At first glance, this appears to be a typical chariot. It's a chariot. It's a chariot. Doesn't matter. So it could look like anything. Yeah. Some of them are armored. Some of them are beautiful and ornate. And some of them are very minimalist with literally like a podium and some reins. So like Roman chariot style? Yeah. Okay. Cool. These chariots are hitched to specially trained large flying creatures. Pegasi or griffins. griffins. Yeah, you name it. A dragon, Weverin perhaps? Sure. A giant majestic air flump? Absolutely. At that point, you just ride on the flump, though. Yeah, that's true. They just fart they, gently along. Yeah, they're their own air chariots. Fly, it'd be like you know, flying a, flying an air flump would be like flying. I see it as like flying a futon. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because they're kind of. Squ- I see them as squishy. Little bread no- bed knobs and broomsticks action. A little bit, yeah. It's good. You know, you just hold on to his tentacles and just kind of steer his eye stalks. Sure. <laughs> it'd be awesome. I want to fly a flump. I know you do. Uh, so basically, as soon as the bridle is in place, the chariot begins to levitate off the ground and becomes weightless to the creature drawing the vehicle. So the chariot and the bridle are the magical vehicle itself. Correct. Okay. The powers are levitation and powered flight. Fairly simple, right? It yep. flies. The lore on this is basically, originally, they were created by elven kingdoms for ceremonial purposes. The tactical advantage couldn't really be ignored though and so these beautiful chariots soon started coming in larger armored versions oh yeah and occasionally a single person version for scouts and messengers would come into use as well these were built on the premise of a very simple spell that had been basically strengthened and made permanent so it didn't take very long for other people to work out the creation process and now sky chariots are the most common aerial conveyance in the world. Because if you had a chariot that could fly, why would you use anything else? Right. I mean, as long as you've got a landing pad someplace, you've got a sky chariot. 100%. In my world, aerial chariot races have begun to come into vogue in some major cities. Oh, that's nice. I like that. And they can be as like speed-based or violent or dexterity-based as you want to make them. You do a cannonball run with air chariots? Sure. Think about that. And you've got like giant floating rings that you have to go through, kind of like a slalom. Oh, yeah. I didn't think about it. Do a, do a barrel roll? Yeah. And fall out of the chariot? Because you're not flying. Hey, you better be strapped in, I'm just saying. Yeah, you got to. Safety first, right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just, I liked the idea that Somebody took a really simple spell, turned it into a magic item, and then used it for, like, air superiority for, like, a year until everybody else in the world went, yeah, but is that hard? I don't feel like that's hard to make. It's not too hard. Let's go ahead and make all of this. And now everybody has one. And now everybody's got them. Sure. Yeah. Screw an airship, man. I got a sky chariot. Right. Why, would I, why do I need a Zeppelin? What am I, a taxi? Come on. <laughs> all right. So... That's that's my Sky Chariot. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the Spider Scout? Well, we've come to the final vehicle for tonight, and the Spider Scout is it. Now, the description is, 
this large arachnid-shaped vehicle, shocking because it's a spider scout, sure, is composed of brass with green stone fittings and usually is a single-seated, fast-moving vehicle. Makes sense. You can make double versions of this thing, but then you have to get the tarantula model. Right. A series of intricate steering levers are placed in the cockpit, which is at the head of the arachnid. So think of uh, a big brass contraption. And honestly, if you want to go steampunk route on this, I could totally see like big pipes jutting out of like the abdomen and stuff, just kind of belching smoke. Sure. Or it can be very fine, like drow construction where it's like intricate, uh, ornate, like engravings on it and stuff. And it's all kind of softly glowing with some kind of strange jewels. Sure. I'm cool with whatever descriptions. I just think this is a kind of a neat idea. I could even see it as like a drew, uh, like a druidy type thing that's just vines connecting stones and just skittering up. Oh, that would be really neat. Yeah. Maybe carved out of stone, like marble-esque. Yeah. That would be kind of cool too. The eight-legged vehicle has a bulbous cargo area where the large abdomen of a spider would normally be. And it also has a grappling pulley near the spinneret. Sure. So you can, you know, pull stuff up, store it in the cargo, right? Yeah. Now, these are spider scouts, so we probably have some ideas, but what are the powers of this thing? As you might expect, they probably climb on things. And in fact, these vehicles are often camouflaged, so think paint job, or if you want it to be magical camouflage, I'm totally cool with that as well. Yeah, or both. Yeah, or both. That would be fun too. And can travel as quickly on walls and ceilings as they can on flat surfaces. It just can climb the hell out of stuff. Nice. I would say maybe ice might be an exception, but we can, depending upon your game, if you want to throw that in there, you could. Maybe they make a modified version. Great woolly... Uh, That's what I was just thinking. Some kind of hairy looking spider. Yeah. It'd be kind of fun. Some versions also could include a gliding parachute. It would balloon. Mm-hmm. Where the... Uh, like sp- baby spiders? Like where the spinneret is. Yeah. Yep. And you fall, jump off the cliff and just... <laughs> Once per day, the driver of the spider scout can also cast charm monster vermin only. So the idea of that is, is, let's say you're in the Underdark and you're coming across a cave fisher. Yeah. He's hungry. Or a giant spider. A giant spider. that's It's hungry. Wants to eat you. Cast Charm Monster. Now you have a guard. Yeah. Or maybe you're hungry and you kill it needed. You want some crab. Yeah. Crab legs are great. <laughs> so what's the lore behind this guy? Despite its eight-legged appearance, Spider Scouts were actually created by a cliff-dwelling culture to allow their scouts and guards to move quickly and safely to the various locations. So you'd think Underdark, but it's actually a bunch of cliff drawlers. That makes, I mean, that makes perfect sense, though. Sure. You know? If you've got different portions of the dwellings on on the cliff, Mm -hmm. even if you have one or two tunnels to the different portions, to actually be scouts, you need to be in the out-facing portion of it. And you don't need regular roads if you live on a cliff. Yeah. So you're well protected. Everything but dragons. And since they're scouts, the camouflaged part makes perfect sense as well. Absolutely. Their usefulness as all-terrain vehicles has since led to their proliferation, and they can now be found both above and below ground. So they translate very well to the Underdark. Sure. And I was also thinking they'd be great in an elven realm, too, with your sky chariots. You imagine them climbing up the giant trees? Absolutely. That'd be a lot of fun. Now, I know these are scouts, and... They started off as like a defensive measure. These are siege vehicles. Oh. It's straight up the castle walls. Yeah, absolutely. And with their spinnerets, with the grappling hook, just, mm-hmm. they're just pulling warriors along, right? Or maybe like a big ladder. 
or you have two of them race up the walls. You drop two and you pull up an entire group like a window cleaning crew, you've right? Got, Just, you've got the two spiders, one on each side, and they're holding a net in between the, the grappling spinneret. Sure. And all of the warriors are just being drug along. You know, they've got their battle axes ready. These two things climb the walls of the castle, dragging a whole basket full of warriors with them. I mean, 20, yeah. 30 warriors, right? Sure. And just deposit them on the, at, at the top of the, uh, the castle wall. And then they turn around, open their cargo hatch, and they drop hot oil on the defenders instead. Man, that's bad times <laughs> right there. So there you have it. Six awesome magical vehicles for you to use in your campaign, whatever the campaign and of course, they're not siege vehicles, but if you want to use them for war, by all means, Feel free. we've provided many methods to do so. Oh, I can't. We, this is why we can't have nice things. But yeah, that's very true. <laughs> Any questions or comments? Hit us up at Goblins Corner on Twitter. Did you enjoy this program? We hope so. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite player, YouTube and Twitch. Click the five stars. Give us a review on iTunes and Podchaser. And on YouTube, hit the like and subscribe button. Hit the notification bell so that you get all of the wonderful new content that we provide all of it also it boosts our show and feeds the hungry algorithm which is currently coming at you at a rapid pace with mario andretti at the helm sure thing. Just ride, just... ride or die a little salt life sticker on the back <laughs> salt life that's all the time we have for tonight once again my name is eric and i'm matt we'll see you next time good night folks The Goblin's Corner is written and produced by Eric Holden and Matt Staples. Show song by the mighty D20. This is a subterranean production. Basic.